0: Welcome to the Taste Uber Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. The episode of the Tasty Brew Music Podcast is a conversation between my better half and co-founder with me of the Heartland Song Network, Danny Powell, and multi-instrumentalist, Michael McClintock. Danny conducted this interview at our home in connection with Michael, serving as the October 2020 Artist of the Month for the Heartland Song Network, a nonprofit whose mission is to elevate the art of the song through education, collaboration, and mentorship. Michael, from the bustling metropolis of Neosho, Missouri, graduated in 2006 from the University of Missouri-Kansas City Music Conservatory with a Bachelor of Music in Classical Guitar Performance. His first professional music project was playing flamenco. He quickly branched out into multiple genres of music and now performs with Ensemble Iberica, highlighting the music of Spain and Portugal, Cubanisms, the music of Cuba, Slim Hansen and the Poor Choices, a traditional country band, and now the FM duo a new project with fellow jazz enthusiast and guitarist, Jeff Frayling. It was with Ensemble Iberica that Michael started to introduce the Cuban Tres, a guitar unique to the island in different styles of music, such as jazz, fado, tango, bossa nova, flamenco. Michael, along with his Cuban born wife, Dalida, have formed the project Cubanisms to spread the culture of Cuba in the United States by performing Cuban Latin songs arranged by Michael. They also provide travel guided services to Cuba. Enjoy this conversation with a man with small-town Missouri roots, now playing music at a world-class level around the globe, Michael McClintock.
1: Well, Michael, thank you for uh, being here this evening for this interview. Uh, we are very honored to have you as our Artist of the Month. It's an
2: honor to be the Artist of the Month, so thank you yeah,
1: I appreciate it's, it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'd first like to find out you know, a little bit about your music DNA. I mean, what kind of got you started in the music as a young person and, and uh,
2: how that all progressed. Sure. Um, my Uncle Mark taught me how to play the guitar in eighth grade. I think I was 13 years old, 13 or 14. He knows, he, wrote, he writes everything down, he's, he's very organized. But I had tried all the obligatory sports and failed miserably at uh-huh. everything: soccer, football, baseball, basketball, you name it. And uh, about that point in time, he was like, well, what do you think about learning how to play the guitar? And I was like, Let's give it a shot, and it stuck. So he taught me, and then I was with him through the majority of high school, and then I hooked up with a gentleman named Joe Leiter, and I studied classical guitar with him and then I tried out uh, for the conservatory here at UMKC yeah. in 2002, and got in and did four years of undergraduate uh, classical guitar performance with Doug Meat. I see. Yeah, and finished in 2006.
1: Then. So, so was your uncle in a band? I mean, was he a, a songwriter? Was he just good?
2: he? He he was in a band. He had a he had a group. I believe they were called the Rectifiers. Uh-huh. Um, and he lived in. Berkeley, California, for a period of time, and did some studies out there as well, and then he would moved back to Neosha Missouri, which is where we're all from, and um, he started working at Walmart at that time. And it was just a, uh, played in church and things like that, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. loved to compose. I'm not sure he's written hundreds of songs really? over the years. That's so. great. That's um, great. And he, yeah, he was super, you know, talented, well-rounded. He um, introduced me to rock and roll and, and blues. Uh, taught me how to play a little bit of slide guitar, and then um, he even taught me uh, some finger style and a really light introduction to flamenco guitar. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, the guitar company, Taylor Guitars, mm-hmm. they would always bring these kind of heavy hitting finger style guys through Joplin, Missouri, and they would play in, a, in a, one of the hotels up there. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing Doyle Dykes and a guy named Stephen King and that was kind of my first introduction to fingerstyle and these guys would play like really heavy Beatles arrangements or like Amazing Grace and it was kind of a Tommy Emanuel-esque Chet Atkins kind of vibe and I was like whoa so now he really worked hard to Keep me engaged, taught me how to read music, taught me a really light introduction to, to jazz. Uh-huh. And I was able to play in big band in high school, you know, wow. just kind of Very cool. bang out chords. You know, Very nothing cool. too, too fancy. Yeah, but, yeah he yeah. was great. Yeah, was yeah.
1: Really so, how was your UMKC experience here? I mean, as far as the conservatory?
2: I needed it, I really enjoyed it. I was pretty sloppy throughout high school. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, I, got, I mean, wasn't a terrible student, but focused I was not right um, so umKc something clicked and I really was trying to get you know anywhere from four to six to, to eight hours of practice a day mm-hmm. and um, yeah studying music was great because it was one of the few things that really made sense and um, I don't remember you know but my finishing GPA was pretty good it was 3.7 somewhere mm-hmm. in there and mm-hmm. yeah everything you know really just made sense from music history to theory to ear training mm-hmm. it, it all clicked, and so I really, I enjoyed it. i was very happy to get get accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it. Very, very good. Very good.
1: So after that, you kind of, I was kind of reading your bio, you kind of went into a, kind of a jazz thing for a
2: while. And... Yeah, um, real quick, I, I went into a heavier study of flamenco through Bo Bledsoe. Right. And then um, from there, I started playing a lot of Brazilian music, which was kind of a natural uh, step towards jazz and then I studied with uh, Rod Fleeman mm-hmm. and Danny Embry for a little while uh, privately and then I also studied with a gentleman named Matt Otto who mm-hmm. uh, teaches saxophone at KU He's mm-hmm. a super mm-hmm. super phenomenal teacher so uh, yeah a little flamenco Bo introduced me to a little bit of Argentine tango and then a lot of Brazilian music and um, some some light jazz and,
1: so, so what tell us about the fact that you know this Brazilian music and that, and that whole Latin vibe. How that, I mean, catches you because obviously you you do a lot of that now. So yeah,
2: um, I think it's I think it's about the rhythms uh-huh. for me. Um, uh-huh. It's got a really nice syncopated groove built into pretty much everything that they do in Brazil and Cuba, uh-huh. and it's just I don't know. It just I really really enjoy it and it's it kind of came naturally a little bit too i never had to you know really hunker down and, and focus super super deeply on rhythm so mm-hmm. i feel lucky to have i think a, a bass level decent rhythm mm-hmm. and um brazilian music really lent itself to classical guitar because the technique is very similar mm-hmm. it's a it's a right hand finger style heavy thing and so um through all of the chords and stuff i learned in high school playing in big band they also translated a little bit to, uh, to Brazilian jazz, like bossa nova mm-hmm. and samba. So I think a lot of those ingredients kind of really uh, started getting mixed together uh, once I started playing Brazilian music. Mm-hmm. And then you know, I was learning how to improvise on a more sophisticated way at that time. And I really wish I was, you know, had the mental capacity to get into that younger because it's pretty complicated to to think over all those cool chord changes but um, mm-hmm. it's getting a little bit better now it's, it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's slowly
2: uh, yeah, yeah yeah
0: well
1: it's kind of it, it's really a interesting evolution to read about you know your your evolution and then and, and then you kind of evolved out of that jazz and and then you know the first time i saw cubanisms yes. was at the record bar several years ago right? yeah played there and I was just like overwhelmed because as you know I'm just a huge fan of, of, of that country and and uh, and I was like man I've got to go listen to this so
2: yeah and you know uh, thankfully for for all those those influences I, they kind of culminated when I went to Cuba uh-huh. and started learning how to play that tres cubano. Uh-huh. I mean having some of the um, you know believe it or not the the flamenco technique the, the right hand stuff they do with their thumb transferred almost exactly over to how the traceros, the cuban trace players <laughs> play with the pick uh-huh. and so i was like okay so it's like you know even if it's from complete, completely different parts of the world they all generally right. overlap
1: so. i mean I, I'm, I'm fascinated uh, the fact of a young lad from neosho missouri <laughs> ends up in havana cuba and yeah <laughs> and you know yeah. and and you know when, when i was down there uh year and a half ago during during uh, January I mentioned your name at a couple places with people out playing and they were like oh yeah Michael McClintock oh yeah oh yeah
2: and I was like oh man this is very cool <laughs> um, luck luck is luck is an interesting thing luck and preparation are, are very beautiful things yeah. but um, I got really lucky well first of all meeting my wife mm-hmm. and then um, the proximity of living next to my first trace teacher, which was uh, the premier teacher on the island. He teaches at um, the Institute for the Superior Arts, which is like their their Juilliard in Havana. Mm -hmm. And so I'd gotten in touch with a gentleman um, from the United States who also married a Cuban woman and, and learned the instrument. And he gave me like three people to call. And the first person was out of town. And so the second person was Efrain, and he was like, oh yeah, I just live up the street. He just happened to be like you know, the the, the Bobby Watson of, right. of the you know the thing, and so I was like, okay, cool. And so I walk up to his house two yeah. three times, and it all just kind of evolved from yeah. from there. But having all those outside techniques, being a little acquainted with some Brazilian syncopation, those things really helped, and mm-hmm. so that eased a lot of the Cubans immediately. They were like, oh, you kind of speak this, right. you speak a, a portion a portion of this language, so right, right. they. So
1: you had to enough. go through kind of an acceptance down there, too, musically, you know, that you could do, that you could hang. Yeah, could.
2: yeah, but the, they're insanely open. Uh-huh. I mean, it's just, like, I mean, like I said, going back to getting really lucky, I met Ephraim and he gave me all the tools. He was a phenomenal teacher as far as, like, you know, the technique, put it together, do it like this, and then... Um, randomly walking through old havana Mm -hmm. um i was walking around with a trace on my shoulder and some some gentleman called me over to sit in with them and i I sat in with them and then we were walking a little bit further you know down the line as you do there and um went into a bar called cafe paris i believe and um they were just like oh look you know look at this interesting looking guy with a a, a tres cubano come up you know because I mean, they're working all the time, and so I right. think it's you know it's part of their nature to be super open, but they're also working super hard. Right, so I think right. anytime they see somebody that's like, well, I'll sit in and yeah. absorb some time, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah come up.
1: Yeah, my experience there, the people were just, I mean, just magnificent. Yeah, you know, I just really, really enjoyed. Yeah, being you know,
2: there. That, that makes learning a lot easier yeah. when there's that openness and you're they're yeah. not, you know, like, yeah. that's wrong. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. They were always very gentle.
1: Yeah. So how did how the, the, the evolution of Cubanisms, I mean, and bringing in those players, you know, because it really wasn't it really wasn't much like that around here prior to that, you know?
2: No, and we we'd had um, Son Venezuela. They were definitely like the old guard of uh, like the heavy hitting salsa and merengue mm-hmm. uh, things. But, you know, the, the Tres Cubano is not the most popular instrument in the world. And so I was really drawn to um Cuban son and so I was you know obviously into um the Buena Vista Social Club mm-hmm. uh which is a pretty old school style of Cuban music mm-hmm. but that was the you know the, the first part of it and through um playing some Brazilian music I I had known Bruno Bessa who uh is from Brazil but is a phenomenal uh Spanish speaker and then from working with Bob Bledsoe, I had met Phaedra Cooper-Barrera, mm-hmm. who's from Mexico, so obviously she speaks Spanish and, and has a super powerful voice. Mm-hmm. And then um, I just kind of knew everybody. And um, uh, the percu- our percussionist John Curry, sure, I've known for a long time. He's in a he's got a marimba group, and his wife is Mexican, so he's he's pretty well versed and, mm-hmm. and speaks Spanish. So it kind of made sense. There was you know, the right ingredients around. And uh, everybody's highly intelligent, so I was like, "Hey, listen to this stuff. You know, do do you enjoy it? Can we can we put it together?" And it really came together. We we just you just got to book a gig, right? You know, and yeah, yeah. Bought a PA and went for it.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's fantastic. I've enjoyed it every time I've been out to hear it.
2: I'm hoping we can get going again so we can hear some more. (laughs) Yeah, I miss it because now we're up to eight people, and that's like yeah. It's like four too many to, to stick in a space right yeah, now, and it's yeah, so, yeah. you know, let's get together and dance, right, and it's, right, you right. know, not necessarily sit with our masks yeah, quietly. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can, but we play better when the audience is yeah. moving and grooving, yeah. so. So, um, so, how did you and Khalid meet? What was that all about? How's that? Oh, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good story. I met Dalida in 2013 in Havana, uh-huh. and um, I went... with a a friend of mine named Gerardo Rendon. I was studying uh, Spanish. Uh I was wanting to brush up, and um, he was a super inviting person. And I said, yeah, come on over, and we'll do Spanish lessons. And so I was doing Spanish lessons with him and a friend of mine who I used to play a lot of music with named Jared Stevenson. And just being around, you know, other friends that had always traveled all over the place, I'd never been out of the country. Right. canada when i was like 10 for right. an hour or two i does not count yeah and um, i was just i had the itch let's go somewhere anywhere and he was mm-hmm. like well i'm gonna gonna go to havana you want to go and i was like let's do it <laughs> let's do it and he had known uh Dalita from previous trips to havana because he'd gone a lot because uh-huh. his uh, stepfather was cuban uh-huh. so he was really interested and um we met. It was very slow and low. realized like, "Was yeah. it love at first sight?" No, it, it it wasn't. But I was there for three weeks, and uh, just kind of kept bothering her to, to <laughs> show me around. But she was lovely. She yeah. she she showed me around, and she worked for the uh, the Ministry of uh, Culture, and mm-hmm. so she was really well versed with the city and the scene. And so she, our first night, she took me to quite a few different clubs and the the Hotel Nacional and just really went out of her way to show me around and then the following night we all went out as a group and went uh, salsa dancing I watched and that was great Uh, and was blown away by how the Cubans could just move a whole room i would never seen a whole room of people move like that just like stunning you know just amazing I I always envisioned like 1940s big band swing era Right. back when you know the, the. Culture of dance was a lot stronger in the United States, yeah, you know? yeah. so it was like that. But no, it was just slow. Yeah. Um, and then the final week, we were strictly in Havana because we had traveled around to Baradero and, and Viñales, and some other places. And so that last week, I was I was pretty much solo, and so I was I was bugging her more and more. And so <laughs> we would go to the to the National Hotel, the Hotel Nacional, uh, pretty much every night and drink mojitos and just talk. Right. And. Um, Hit it off. The, it was the easiest yeah. conversation ever. And so the last couple of days, I may or may not have gotten really drunk at a party and made a <laughs> move. <I don't know.
1: laughs> <laughs> well, it turned out great. It did. It turned out very,
3: very well. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Se quedó dormida y no apagó la vela, el cuarto de tula me cogió candela, se quedó dormida y no apagó la vela, el cuarto de Zula me cogió candela, se quedó dormida y no.
1: So what have you got going on now? What's your, uh, what's happening with Michael McClintock? Uh,
2: Well, I have been um, composing some original material Mm -hmm. and reporting at the very tail end of last year. Cubanism's recorded uh, our our second album called Trilingual and um, have unfortunately kind of just had to sit on it because after that, uh, my wife and I went to Cuba for, for a big portion of the winter came back, did a handful of gigs, and then boom, mm-hmm. uh, COVID. And, um, so we've been kind of sitting on that. And then in the meantime, I've, I've been recording at home. I've gotten into a lot of home recording and, uh, I've recorded five original, uh, songs, mm-hmm. um, kind of ranging from like a modern classical vibe to a full on Cuban song salsa. I've got some, uh, got a samba I've composed uh, in, in honor of my grandpa, but uh, the first song is going to be released on October 2nd. It's called Waiting For You, in honor of my wife. I wrote it for her a About few years ago. It. So um, yeah, and she's been very encouraging of, of composing, you know, original stuff, original mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. that's been pretty much the deal this year. And then we've been moving into original material with, Cuban, with Cubanisms as uh-huh. well. We've got three completely done. Um, that need to be recorded as soon as possible and then I've got two others that are pretty much finished and then um, my wife has been lovely and she writes lyrics for that and I do the the music so that's the plan for that is just to kind of start moving into original material with Cubanisms and um, just keep trying to Compose as much as comp- as right. much as possible. Right. and I've also been working with Jeff huh, which has been pretty cool. We've got a, a new group called the F M Duo, um, and and uh, with that we've been able to do some of my original compositions. So, right, that's been that's been really cool. It's a new thing. I, I haven't done that much before. Yeah, in, in I, my life. we
1: saw you at uh, Green Guitar. You and
2: Jeff on right. that. And that's
1: right. That was, was a while back. It was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. it was
2: wonderful. Well. And I, I thought then. I thought then. Man, these guys are gonna they are you going to do something together
1: at some point yeah day, you
2: know? yeah now been really cool super organic um and we had quite a few things planned for uh, for this year but everything kind of had to take a step back but yeah it hasn't stopped us too much so yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. yeah i mean COVID has affected everybody i mean have you been able to maintain okay and just you know and
2: we have i i can't complain I, I, yeah. I can't complain we were very fortunate to get um the um the government checks that everybody got right, but we right. were able to get the um unemployment right, with the government right, so right. that that ran out but then the the extra 300 came in so i've been watching more news than i care to watch yeah, but no we were, we were we were able to both get that very and that's good. been very good. That's very, very, good. very
1: good well as you know the harlan song network we're all about the elevating the art of the song you know and, and uh we're doing a lot of things and and we always want to ask what from from the people we interview, um, what do you think we need to do? I mean, what's your thoughts on how we need to help elevate artists and 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 the industry, the ecosystem of music around here? You know, I mean, I wouldn't put you on the spot, but I mean, you know, you know. But it but it's it's important to us because we, you know, that is what we want to do. That is our mission.
2: Right. Here's where editing comes into play. I might have to think about that for a second, because. What you guys have been doing has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Just the Zoom, the, the Wednesday Zooms alone, mm-hmm. I've been able to attend too. Um, the first um, the first lady had moved in from LA. <laughs> I've forgotten her name, I apologize. Yeah, uh, um But she does a lot of oh, commercial Marla. spot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And it was just refreshing to hear her talk about her time in LA, and then just her mentioning like, oh well, yeah, like Sony or you know this gigantic company that for me I'm like, oh wow, well, it's big. you know and Just even having somebody uh, come and talk about whatever in that realm for me mm-hmm. is very cool. And then the other gentleman was the Nashville songwriter yeah. um, who I think that was a couple of weeks ago. Hody? Oh yeah, yeah. he was great. He yeah. was great as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I think that's a tremendous first step um, but it's just all you know, it's just industry-based. Right. You know, and it's, it's kind of tricky to, to start that industry, but I think you guys are definitely taking the right steps. I feel yeah. like between Claire and Odie and I'm sure a bunch of the other people that um, y'all have spoken to, I mean, just forming some, some kind of local industry. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you've got well, New York, Nashville, And LA. we're hoping.
1: We, I mean, one of our goals is to be able to connect the dots. Exactly. You know, because there's so many genres and so many world-class musicians, and we don't even know what industry's here. You, you know, know what I mean? And because
2: the, there could be something right under our nose that yeah. you know, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but no, Kansas City's got it going on. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the you got country, blues, rock. Even um, we've got the Latin. We've got jazz. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's super well-rounded, very mm-hmm. diverse, and highly intelligent town that yeah it's accessible and everybody's friendly like you know there's everybody's open to share and uh, i think like you said connecting the dots uh, speaking you know new york nashville la but also connecting the dots just kansas city Local. because yeah yeah i, I know you talked to pat conway and some and some other folks mm-hmm. and um Dude, I couldn't even tell you what's out there in Kansas City right yeah. now, which is kind of embarrassing to to say, but at the same time, it's like. But that's but that's everybody. That's everybody, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's everybody. So yeah, yeah. I think, no, just keep doing what y'all are doing. It's, yeah. straight, it's very exciting because yeah. I I don't want to leave yeah. Kansas City. I mean, because we've you, got we've got people coming in from L- LA and New York that are you know brilliant mm-hmm. brilliant musicians, and they're just like. It's, it's, it's expensive it's difficult it's so they're coming they're coming in Right. You know, if that caliber is coming in then I'm, I, I hesitate to think about maybe going out you know, right like right right yeah. Yeah. So, yeah so yeah but yeah no just, just more of that and then um, some kind of you know recording network
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, because it's, Kansas City is a beautiful place to, to do performances um, I've heard talk of having maybe some mid-sized venues would be beneficial maybe like that 400 mm-hmm. range, 400 mm-hmm. to 600 uh, person range but then I always just kind of feel like the industries are, are built around you know, the record labels mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. but even that's changing yeah I it's mean, changed you a know, lot but you don't even make an album it, right, it's just, right. And so, I mean, it's, it's really tricky to, to, to comment, to have an opinion, because yeah. every day, you know, my wife and I are kind of trying to read different articles about how do we release a single. It's right. like Because, I mean, I was nervous and trying to work hard to record an entire album, and, and then you just kind of realize it's like, that's, that model's not, not in right now, and I don't even know if I'm going to print any CDs. Right, and right. it's just going to be straight. Digging.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen that more and more myself. That people are—they'll put a lot in the can, but they're releasing a single at a time, over yeah. six months or whatever. Yeah, know?
2: it's just those little touches. I yeah. think everybody wants yeah. to be yeah. Um, yeah. refreshed frequently. It's yeah. like your computer, you know. Well, and and
1: this COVID situation has changed the industry. I mean, it's it it in some positive ways. It has it has tore down yeah the existing. Structure, Yeah. And, you know, we're hoping to be involved in helping making it better. Yeah. I mean, we want we want our artists to be able to stay here, make a living here. Totally. So we can enjoy it. Absolutely. You know?
2: And it's extremely doable. It's like yeah. Kansas City is such a great spot. I mean, yeah. to even buy a home. Yeah. I mean, those things that I won't speak for any other musician, but as myself, you know, didn't think about that stuff in, in depth when I was in college or right. even out of college or until my late twenties, but then, you know, luckily Kansas City was was friendly you know, financially, yeah. and I was like, oh, I can actually do this, and yeah. spend less in rent, you can actually buy a house and spend less. Right. You know, I was like, oh, okay, and so yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, those little things are really attractive to artists. Mm-hmm. And so you know, Kansas City's sweet. I don't I don't know why we couldn't be any different than Nashville. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause I was yeah. in Nashville a couple of years ago. and it's, it's not the biggest town. No. Kansas City's bigger. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. So it's like yeah. they have this phenomenal. I mean, obviously, decades of industry. Right, built, but right.
1: But it's very hierarchical. It's a yeah. hierarchy, you know, of industry, and we want something that's more, uh, more eco-friendly. Kansas you know? City style. Yeah, yeah. Kansas City Open
2: style. arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah. and that if 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 that could be achieved, then I think yeah. y'all will have tons of success yeah, because. Yeah yeah you start getting into that who knows who and 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 all that and it immediately becomes difficult right right so no just keep doing what you're doing and then just daily telling everybody to hit the share button yeah you know it's just it's yeah. it's every day yeah. It's, yeah it's a grind um but i feel like it's yeah just yeah. It's a little cute video every yeah. day you yeah. know hit yeah. it and yeah, yeah. but it's so cool. It's just, yeah. The, the Zoom the zoom meetings, I go back to that for the third yeah, time. I yeah. mean, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, just,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. You got anything to add you want to share or anything that uh,
2: would cover all the bases? And... I think we covered uh, that. That's pretty, that's pretty thorough. Well done. Okay. Um, you know, um, anything missing from, from that? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Okay. We talked about what's going on now. Yeah. And, um, okay.
1: That's what's up. Uh, Okay. Well like. thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, um, we are like I said, we're honored to have you as our honor to the
2: it's a major honor. For yeah. so I appreciate
3: it. Thank uh, you. Thank you. So thank <laughs> temblar de alegría.